0: Let's <laughs> Well, hey, folks, this is Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. Welcome to this week's episode, and I'm going to give you a little preview of what is coming up, but as you will hear me say at the end of the show, FYI, we are just over a week out from starting to celebrate our 25th anniversary here at Boundless. If you were alive 25 years ago, kudos to you. Um, We will celebrate your birth as well as the birth of Boundless, Um, but some of you are maybe younger than that, and so that's okay. You've joined us along the way. we appreciate it. So meanwhile, uh, you're going to be following Boundless.org and all that we have on socials and elsewhere in order to keep up with what we are talking about and how we are celebrating because it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, here we are in the midst of our show, however. Later on for our inbox, we have a listener who's noticing that whenever a friend tells them about a problem, they struggle with wanting to fix the issue instead of just patiently listening. So uh, one of our fantastic counselors is going to weigh in on that and give some advice for being a good listener. And then for our culture segment, we have Hannah Schirmerhorn here, who spent years as a single adult, uh, actually just recently married, and even walked through the disappointment of a broken engagement. So she's going to tell part of her story based on the book that she has written called A Single Life to Live. And so you may be struggling with finding joy in singleness wherever you are in that journey. Whatever season you're in, I think you will want to stay tuned. Okay, here we are for our roundtable, and um, this is this is fun because I just mentioned to y'all that our culture segment we're going to talk about maximizing singleness. So why not spend our roundtable talking about just. Come on, hurry up and and start dating and get married, people. (laughs) You know, we take it from all angles here at The Boundless Show. You know, there's uh, pressure to date and get married, pressure to rock out singleness. So we do it all. So I have got uh, Georgia, Ryan, and John here. Hey, everyone. Hello. Good to have you. Okay, we're going to have a conversation about specifically when your friends and family are pressuring you to date. So I don't know if any of y'all have been in this scenario. I have, and I am... And I think this is very humorous because despite sometimes some pretty stark conversations with extended family members, these topics still come up. And so we're going to talk about it right here. So I want to ask you all, first of all, where do you feel most of the pressure for you to be dating comes from? Do you feel it's just kind of... In the atmosphere, like the culture we're in, is it specifically from like your parents, from friends, from siblings, um, being in certain social circles? Where does that play out for you?
1: For me, it's honestly kind of a mix. So I have certain friends and family members who will bring this up whenever I'm around them. And I've gotten to a point where... I'm politely preparing for the question in my head when I see them. So it's honestly a mix. It's not one person in particular. And sometimes it may be somebody who I haven't seen in a while will just ask me, hey, are you dating somebody? And I always have to be careful because for them, it's the first time asking the question, even though I may have gotten the question, say, 12 times in the past month.
0: (laughs) Okay. Do you feel like it's just curiosity that brings it up with them? Or is it kind of like, well, we don't know what else to ask, John, you know, but... (laughs) It's probably (laughs) (laughs) curiosity because
1: I I still have a lot of friends back East that I keep in touch with semi-regularly. and so we. We may not have seen each other for say three, four, five, six months, and so a lot of life has happened since then, and they're just wanting to know.
0: Okay, and they're like, "Uh, "You better not get engaged or married without sending me an invite." Yeah, or announce it on Facebook without telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who will be the first to know? Okay, Ryan, how about you?
2: Um, It would probably for me. It'd probably be friends and family of friends. Or family of a girl that I've just been hanging out with. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's like, wow, you uh, <laughs> you guys have had a few conversations. So like, when what? are you going to ask her? I was like, oh, a few that's, conversations. that's not what I was planning to do.
0: Okay. Interesting. We're going to have to talk a little more about that. When you're talking about friends, are you talking about just being in social circles with friends or you're saying friends are actually asking you like, why aren't you dating anyone or what's going on or whatever?
2: Both, oh, okay. um, especially you know, Christian, you know, Christian circles. Okay, you know, we believe in marriage. We believe that's a great thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm on that I'm on that train. Okay, but sometimes it's like, wow, well, you know, I really think you being in a relationship and thinking about someone else would make you a better person. Could you please do that already? Like I think that's something you should (laughs) fast forward on.
0: Apparently, we're going to have to all justify where on the train we actually are. If we're all on this train, what's going on? Where are we? So this will be interesting. Okay, Georgia, how about you?
3: I would say it's from the church, and I would like to qualify that at the church that I'm specifically at right now, I don't feel that pressure, but at other churches I've been to, I have felt that deeply where there's just either a lack of ministry for people who are single. So then you just feel the weight of like, there's nothing for me here and no one cares to pour into me. And, or the only thing people bring up when they meet you is, are you single? Are you married? Are you going to be dating? Do you want to be dating? Do you want to be married? Do you want to have kids? And I'm like, okay, well, Do you know my name? I don't... I just met you. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think I hear it a lot from acquaintances, so not so much my close friends. I do think that, again, in the Christian sphere, sometimes when you meet someone for the first time, the only thing you can think of is, do they have a significant other? And I will say that a lot of different acquaintances have been like, well, so you've been here a year, right? Like, why aren't you dating someone already? And I'm like, okay, well... Um, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think acquaintances are the church.
0: Okay. Interesting. That reminds me of, uh, it was a while back, I wrote an article for another Christian publication, and I open with the story of being at church at a women's event sitting next to an older woman who asked me, you know, well, do you have kids? And I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, are you married? And I said, no, I'm I'm single. And then she kind of took it upon herself because clearly that was just a sad scenario. To assure me, she was like, Oh my goodness, honey, stay encouraged. She said, Because I was, I was at least, I think I was 25 before I got married. And so I was like, I was probably like Amazing. 32 at yeah. the time. So it was a little awkward. But, um, but I felt like she was very, she was in a good place. Like she meant good things for me. So it was yeah. a little bit having to frame that. So that said, I won't, um, share specifically how i responded to that but (laughs) when you guys get those kinds of questions or those kinds of inquiries how do you generally respond what is it or does it vary depending on the person or what
1: If I'm honest, there's honestly two different responses going on at once. There's the response that I project to the person on the outside, and then there's the response within my own soul. Okay. (laughs) So what are those? Typically, I'm actually pretty good about being nice and polite and saying, (laughs) on the outside at least, no, not right now. But on the inside, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, do I really have to answer this question again? Yeah. So for me, I I don't, I mean, I welcome the question. I don't want to feel a sense of bitterness towards anybody, but sometimes just the amount of questions, it can almost start to create walls of resentment in my own heart if I'm not careful, Mm -hmm. which um, no matter how many times I get the question, I'm ultimately responsible for whether or not I build up walls of resentment.
2: So that's the part I have to watch myself on. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, For me, it it depends on like how they're asking. Mm -hmm. If they're just Hey, Ryan, I haven't seen you in a few years. Like, you know, are you dating anybody? Oh, no. You know, pretty simple answer. Uh, If it's people that know me or are actively trying to set me up with somebody, usually it's, you know, more humorous, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of just try to deflect it, move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Humor is a great way to cope. Just Mm -hmm. either normal (laughs) answer or humor deflect.
3: Okay. All right. Yeah, it really does depend on who's doing the asking and how they're asking. I will say most recently I did get lunch with my pastor's wife and she's lovely and she didn't mean anything by it, but she caught me at a, a vulnerable moment and she was like, so are you um, dating anyone? And I was like, um, I don't know why you would ask that because no, I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, and then she was like, well, is there anyone at church you're interested in? it? I'm like, I just don't even, I, it's like, I don't. So I really think it depends on the moment and who's asking. But for the most part, I would say I use humor and I'll just go along the lines of like, nope, it's dry as a bone right now. Or, you know, there's nothing, nothing happening there. there. Um, and then move on. Yeah.
0: Do you ever feel, you guys, like you're in a position of being put on the defensive? Like I'm saying this because I feel like I am, where I'll have people kind of like challenge me like, well, I can name like 3 people who have asked you out in whatever insert time frame and then because they know I either turned that person down or it didn't work out or something somehow I'm not doing my part. I mean, I felt like or that you're not I mean, again, I've had this challenge too from other people of like, "Well, are you sure you're putting yourself out there? Are you sure you're really doing enough or working hard enough or meeting enough people or whatever?" I mean, have you ever felt your on the defensive to explain why you are 20 whatever and still single 30 whatever and still single you know however that plays out
3: yeah 100 percent. i do think when 100 percent, because i think when certain people ask they they do want an explanation mm-hmm. and then i do feel like, like you like owe I, them an explanation yeah, that's yeah, which what, the assumption which you yeah. don't and i do feel like i have to you know, say, oh, I've tried the dating apps and they're like, well, have you tried them? And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I know what Bumble is. I know what Hinges. Thank you. Um, I do feel like you have to start explaining yourself or you have to delve into this whole thing where you're like, I'm just in a sweet season of singleness right now. So just really appreciating what the Lord is doing. And then it just kind of feels like you're speaking Christianese a little bit of like, no, like the Lord hasn't Whoa. given me the man in my life yet. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, you don't owe that to anyone but it does feel like you do okay all right right ryan.
0: ryan how about you i mean
4: I'm, I'm when... up over here.
2: well kind of just bouncing off what georgia just said i think when people start speaking that christianese they start talking about seasons or i'm dating jesus or i'm married <laughs> to Jesus. you know they start speaking that it's because they're trying to justify something that they know that they feel is wrong
4: mm-hmm.
2: and they're not trying to actually address it but they're trying to use all of the religious knowledge they have to do that and personally i just have never cared whenever anyone has told me about a season that they're going through when it comes Mm -hmm. to relations like i'm just going through a season of marriage that sounds horrible when you Mm -hmm. say that yeah but man (laughs) people love to talk about their season of singleness and it's like you're just single it's okay you don't have to like try you don't need to defend it to me and i think that's what people often feel is they need to uh when it, like what you were talking about when people try to challenge you. Yeah. It's because they're trying to fix your singleness. Right. And mm. you should never try to fix singleness. You should always try to have a great relationship. Right. And in game theory, there's like two major thought processes. Are you trying to win or are you trying to not lose? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when people start trying to justify themselves in that way, they're trying to not lose. And trying to not lose is a horrible way to start a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a... Um, a law of returns or something Mm -hmm. where you have to prove I mean it's like you can't be like working intentionally towards as you're saying just a really healthy relationship if that's something that happens it's like if you're not in a really healthy relationship, then you must just be somehow you're deficient or something's not working right or something's not, you know, kind of to the point of the implication is the whole dating Jesus thing. Mm -hmm. Well, you're only dating Jesus because no one else will ask you out. So, I mean, that's that's, not...
3: And that's tough.
0: Yeah. Well, because your
3: dad didn't give enough cows to the sales, you know, like, you know, like there wasn't enough for the dowry. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. The uh, the fiddler on the roof references are running strong here in this roundtable. Okay. we're g- <laughs> That's good. Okay. So, but that said, okay, let's talk about what is this balance then? We've brought this up here on Boundless before. And so you got to apply it to this. What is that balance between feeling like you're being active in this space and being proactive and trusting God with what he has for... <laughs> this quote-unquote season. Okay, we're going to talk about seasons again, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, because I think it is, there. there is, John implied this in his initial answer, of there can be kind of this check or this hurt of like, oh my goodness, like here I have to answer this. This isn't, I'm going to try to just deflect this, but this could be hurtful. Maybe I do want to get married. And this is another way of this conversation coming up again. So how do you move forward confidently and hopefully in dating and being open to dating while also being content in singleness?
1: That is such an awesome question, and it's one I ask myself on an almost daily basis because of the work we get to do here at Boundless. And I recently kind of had this realization that contentment, if you look in Scripture, I'm thinking of places like Philippians chapter 4, which Paul wrote from a jail cell, horrible, horrible conditions, Mm -hmm. and the chapter, so much of it is about contentment, and that really ministered to me that contentment a lot of times really has very little to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with what we're focusing on, Mm -hmm. and are we ultimately seeking God above anything else, and so I had to ask myself pretty recently... Hey, what if I was single the rest of my life? Would I still be okay? Even though I'm a human being with desires, with wanting to have a family someday, am I going to be all right if I just have to be single? And I really came to the realization I had to kind of like Paul said, learn it. It's not something that happens overnight. I mean, it honestly didn't even really happen, I would say, until after my mother passed away. But I came to the realization that, yeah, as long as I have Jesus and as long as I have Christian community around me, I could still wake up and the sun is still going to shine. And if God does bring somebody into my life that I look at and I think, man, I really want to get to know her more. I really want to spend more time with her, then then that's great. But at the same time, um, I'm still going to be breathing regardless of my relationship status because yeah. Jesus is with me.
2: Yeah, it's good. Uh That is something that, well, realistically, it actually never really crossed my mind. There was a portion of my life where I was just immature and I was like, "Why I feel like I'm called to singleness. Really what it was was just severe immaturity and the thought of including another person in my thought processes was unbearable, which I think a lot of young men who uh, feel that they have a call to singleness, I feel like that's what they go through is just a huge bout of immaturity. For me, what kept me centered was knowing what I wanted out of this. So a lot of people when they would come and say, like, you know, hey, have you you know are you trying to date somebody, you know, are you interested in anybody? Are you trying to, you know, are you putting yourself out there doing this? That question never bothered me because I knew what I was trying to get out of it. I wasn't trying to not be single. I was trying to have an awesome marriage. I want to have an awesome marriage that, you know, has good kids, that has healthy kids, that have kids that are loved. And in that i knew that there was some immaturity that had come out of me now to be fair i i think that being in a relationship with somebody is a great way to get that immaturity out of you painfully but quickly but it it never bothered me uh when that question would come up because i knew what i wanted and because i knew what i wanted no one could ever shake me from that and so there was a contentment but it was a contentment based out of confidence and expectation and i knew that if i stayed the course and if i worked on certain things. And if I got some things out of me, I knew it was all going to work out.
3: I think a big aspect of this is timing and being willing to leave your hands pretty open to whatever comes in time for our good and God's glory. And so, yeah, I think timing is just the biggest part and just being aware that if marriage is something that you desire and that you want... Um, that the Lord's going to prepare for that timing. And I don't know, there are certain days where I'm like, okay, well, what if I desire a marriage and the Lord never brings that to fruition? To be honest, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to care because if that fruition ends in my death or His coming back and I'm with Jesus, I don't think the biggest question in my mind when I'm standing before His throne or kneeling before His throne is... So why was I not married in the other life? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's going to be my biggest concern. So I think it's just learning to trust his timing, his purpose and what he has for you, which I know is a lot easier said than done. And I think it's one of those things that you hear a lot in the church or you hear a lot when talking specifically about marriage, because I think that's one of those things that we wait for a lot. Like a lot of people feel as though they're waiting or they're in a season of waiting. And so... Yeah, I think it's just the trust that trust aspect there. Mm-hmm. I also think a big thing is is surrounding yourself with believers that aren't going to continue to ask that. And I think that's okay to have conversations with people that bring it up in a way that is really unhealthy. I think that's totally fine to bring that up with them and or, you know, continue to bring people into your life that Push you towards Christ. And one of the ways that they don't do that is constantly asking, Are you going to get married? Are you going to get married? Because I don't think that's helpful either. And I think that's been really beneficial for me because since moving to Colorado, that's been one of the biggest blessings is that I just have other believers around me, both married, single, dating, engaged. And none of them, their biggest concern is whether or not I'm getting married. It's whether or not I'm following Jesus Mm -hmm. day and day. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that as you were talking, all of you, I was thinking to myself, wow, why is it, and Georgia, you bringing in like meeting Jesus and heaven into this and stuff, none of us sit around and think like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I better start praying, because if I don't work for Google at some point in my life, I don't really know how I'm going to be able to handle that. Like, we never put that on other things. Or if I never get to live in Europe, or if I never get... But for some reason, marriage gets put in this extra... Orbit, or something where it becomes this like be all end all for people. Like it becomes a a litmus test of God's faithfulness to us or us having arrived in the Christian life or whatever. I think that's so fascinating to me. I was just thinking about that now. How, really, if we are walking out our faith and living life open handedly and being like, God, what do you have for me? Relationships and marriage are going to come into that sphere as well. And not that we don't just sit back and say, well, God, it's all on you. I'm not going to talk to anyone or meet anyone or ask (laughs) anyone out. I mean, there is some purposefulness to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, God is not stingy. He doesn't withhold good gifts. He's not sitting there going, how can I completely derail Ryan's life or George's life or John's life, the dating life, and really make them, you know, I'm going to put them in the proverbial prison cell with Paul, you know, and Silas Mm -hmm. and stuff. And He's just not doing that. And we I think we often script things into our stories that God never intended to put there. And so mm-hmm. I think we can very trustingly realize that God has very good things for his people and a a line and a path that he has for us doesn't always have to be a linear path and it doesn't always have to look like the path that everyone else has but we know that if we entrust it to God it will be a good path.
2: Mm. That is something I've noticed is that (laughs) there's a lot of my friends that aren't super charismatic but for some reason they can hear the voice of God so clearly whenever it's no. When it comes to a lot of other things, they never hear. Yes. But it's like, oh, I heard God very clearly. This is not it for me. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. They've gotten disappointed. You know, in Proverbs, it says a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And they've scripted things into their story because they're using the evidence of circumstances to be the word of God and that's not what i'm finding god is a good father he wants to give good gifts if you look at luke 11 i you know i think that's a pretty good statement of you know common sense gifts if you ask for an egg you, you know, your father's not going to give you a serpent and how much you know if you being evil know how to give good gifts how much more your father in heaven and so i think what happens is people let their hope get deferred and makes their heart sick and they start scripting in answers that aren't there and that's not what we're called to do and so living life you know, open-handed, like you said, that goes both ways. That means when marriage comes, you are ready to receive it. And, but in the meantime, you're not despising it or disparaging it. Cause I, th- I think that's something I start to see quite often is on one hand, people put marriage on too high of a pedestal, but then the reactionary pendulum swing of that is that people who haven't gotten married in their timeline that they have, whether it's, you know, 18, Uh, you know, I'm 21, I'm practically a Christian spinster. Or, you know, by the time they're in their 50s, they start despising it. And that despising of this very good thing that God gave us, you know, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And that wasn't a casual statement. Like when you read Genesis in a chronological order, not from a Christian view backwards, that's an insane statement in the middle of that. So it's a good thing. And we clearly know it's a good thing. And yet when people don't receive it, as they think they should they start doubting the goodness of god in that area and they start saying well uh, you know i've never uh, i'm not i'm not one to believe in the charismatic you know yada yada but uh clearly god said no uh, mm-hmm. and they they know the voice of god when it says no but they don't know the voice of god when anything else happens and that's something that's always bothered me and is and frankly worried me mm-hmm.
0: Well, good conversation, you guys. I mean, it's like I feel like we're just getting started, but hopefully, we'll continue the conversation on social and beyond. I know many of you listening have lived in this space. You are living in this space. This is why we talk it out here on the show, so we can all encourage one another and hopefully give us some legs around what we're you know doing on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever. So, um, thanks to all of you for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for Lisa. having
4: us, Lisa. Yeah.
0: Folks, we're here for this week's culture segment, and man, for all the cultures that we've done, it's always fun to come back to a topic that is kind of boundless as bread and butter. We are going to talk to those of you who are walking out a life of singleness, um, whether you're single, single again, dating, you know, not dating, whatever. Um, it it kind of comes in waves, and you can get discouraged, or maybe you feel like you're in a good place once in a while with it, and you know we love I love talking about dating and relationships here at The Boundless Show as well. And for those of you who've been around a while, you know that that is definitely the case. But, you know, also because of the way our demographic is and the fact that the average marrying age now is 28 and 30 for women and men, respectively, a lot of us are still single. And so I have got a new friend to Boundless. I have Hannah Shermerhorn here. Hannah, welcome to The Boundless Show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is really, really fun to have you. And um, I actually said we were talking before the show about how you actually, I think you were penning the last chapter of your book and you were asked out on a date, correct? We're going to start at the end here for a second.
5: Yes, that is correct. Yep. I had sat down and wrote my whole book, and yeah, right as I had that last chapter, um, someone asked me out, and I said no, because I was like, I'm writing a book on singleness. I can't date while I'm doing this. Uh, But thankfully, a couple weeks later, we went to the same wedding, and we started talking and dancing and kind of just spent the night talking about things, and it was like, okay, maybe God has a different plan for me than just staying single this entire time. So, yep, I started dating that guy, and then I married him a few months ago, so that was wow. a surprise for
0: me. <laughs> well, congratulations, and I'm I'm glad you didn't think that you had to, you know, for the sake of the integrity of the book, stay single or turn him down <laughs> for that, um, because God knows and he has a unique story for each one of us, and so congratulations from us here but, at Boundless. Yes. So that was so funny, because as I said, you know, I was like, Hannah Shermerhorn, and then I'm like, hey, wait a minute, maybe that's her maiden name, or is it, or is that your married <laughs> yes. name?
5: That is my maiden name. So I have this question as I keep writing books of which name I write under. So that's a question I still haven't answered. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, well, that was the, that's good for this book, though, because that's the single Hannah that wrote the book. So that makes sense. So, well, all that to say, okay, we are going to be talking. The book is actually called A Single Life to Live Stop Waiting for Your Life to Begin and Thrive Where God Has You Today, which is a huge uh, statement, kind of. It's very aspirational for a lot of us that are walking out a single season, if that's short or long, whatever that looks like. And uh, so I want to kind of jump right in because clearly you felt the need uh, at this point in your life. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to start writing this. And I want you to start out by there's a big theme in your book that where you talk about how singles feel and kind of this idea of getting placed on the, the B team. I always say kind of the way I describe it is like we've got this weird second class citizenship, and it shows up in families, it shows up in the church, a lot of different places, but talk about your feelings around that, and really, what are some examples of where you felt that way, and if you felt like other people, or even yourself, perpetuated that?
5: Yeah, definitely. That was a feeling that I just felt so often in my life through singleness, so I feel like for me, I kind of went from, well, basically what happened to me is I was engaged and then got some news and found out some information that made it so that I could no longer get married um, and prayed a lot about it, but decided that that wasn't the right thing to move forward with. So I entered a season of singleness when I thought I was actually going to enter a season of marriage instead. Uh, right at the end of college. So when all of that happened, it was really hard for me to not, you know, feel like I was included in things because a lot of my friends were getting married and when they're getting married, you know, they're being celebrated with parties and, you know, showers and the actual marriage ceremony and things like that and getting fancy dresses and, and all sorts of things. So a lot of times it just felt like I was missing out or I wasn't doing something right. Like I was missing some achievement that everyone was supposed to be getting at that time in their life. And then as years went by and years went by and I still didn't meet someone and I was getting older and older, I was like, did I do something wrong? You know, why am I in this space in my life? And it really felt a lot like I was stuck on this B team and it was a place I didn't want to be. I really wanted to be promoted to the A team. But no matter what I did, I couldn't make that happen. You know, that's only if God has it in the plan or not. So I really struggled with that for a long time. And I think when I was kind of getting engaged in stuff before it got broken off, I was definitely in that group of people who was like, Oh, I'm so excited. Look at me. This is happening. You know, God's blessed me with this thing. it's so cool. And I wasn't very mindful of the people who were single and who were going through this really difficult battle of you know i want to be in a relationship but i have not found the right person to do that with so i know i've definitely been guilty of it and it's something that i've been super super mindful of as i've moved forward into marriage again of i have lots of single friends and i want to talk to them about things like you know what's inspiring them what dreams are they following what are they excited about in their lives rather than just talking all the time about hey who are you going to date what's it like being single you know do you want to go on this date with this person I know so I feel like just going through that whole experience of being there where I thought I was going to be in the relationship, then going through many years of singleness and now being on the other side again. It's been very eye opening to me of just how much of a struggle, you know, feeling like being on the B team is in singleness.
0: Yeah. Well, what did you feel? I mean, I could imagine that it was even exacerbated by the fact that now you had a broken engagement kind of as part of your story. Did you ever feel like, God was just like, weirdly, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question, but kind of this sense of like, is God going to give me a second chance? Like, was I supposed yeah. to learn something from this? What's the lesson in this? I mean, because that's kind of like, a that's a path altering kind of thing to happen, because you think you're going down one track and you don't. So talk about some of the emotion around that and what you had to process with God coming out of that.
5: Yeah, I think right away I just had kind of this sense of like, God, why are you letting this happen? Because my dreams were to get married. That's something I wanted for so long in my life. So I just really struggled with like, God, you know this was something I wanted, but you didn't let it happen. So I think some of my first reactions were really all the negative things that go with being single, especially, you know, after being in a relationship of feeling super lonely and wondering, you know, are there plans for my life? What's going to happen with all of this? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, I just struggled with a lot of things of why do I matter? You know, I don't have this relationship anymore. All of that kind of stuff that was just really looking at myself as being single and all of the negative things that can be associated with singleness. So I struggled with that, but immediately I was like, okay, God's got to have a plan in this, right? So I remember right away trying to like write little stories or blogs or things at the beginning of me being single and it wasn't really working because I had to struggle through it for years to really learn the lessons that I needed to learn at the time. Um, So I started writing stuff and it just wasn't good. So I kind of put that on the shelf for a long time and it took me about six, seven years after breaking off that engagement to reach a point where I realized that my perspective on singleness had totally changed. In the beginning, I was very upset about being single, and, you know, why do I need to be here was the question I constantly asked. But after all of those years had passed, all of a sudden I realized that I was single and I was really, really happy, even though my circumstances hadn't changed. So in all of those years, I just had to learn so many lessons. And I think the biggest one for me was understanding that my identity had nothing to do with my relationship status. Uh, All that mattered was that God loved me and He loved me whether I was single, He loved me, whether I was in a relationship, and I didn't need those other external things to define me. It's just God's love that makes me important. So that really flipped my whole view of what it meant to be single, of, you know, God loves me so much. He knows what my dreams are, but He's allowing me to be here for a reason. And if He's good, if He's done all of these wonderful things and never lies to us, then there must be a reason He has me here right now. So after I kind of had that whole mindset Shift, I realized, you know, I'm happy here and I hope that I can help some other people who are struggling as much as I struggled, especially at the beginning of singleness. So that's when I started to write my book. And I had a lot of things that I had learned in those years, stuff that I really had to struggle with and work through. But then as I started writing, I just put post it notes of everything that I was still struggling with. And I was like, okay, I need to find answers in this in the Bible and see where I can go and, you know, kind of find what God's saying here. So I through a lot and then I worked through even more as I was writing my book. Sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great personal learning to really be able to come to that place of like, what is my identity? Because so many get hung up for years on this idea of like, I'm not going to be complete until I'm married. I'm not going to be fully an adult. I'm not going to be, I mean, there's a reason why people quote, you know, old movies like Jerry Maguire and some of those others (laughs) about feeling completed or feeling less than, you know, comparably to that in that season. And so can you share a couple of the actual learnings or like, what were some big takeaways for you when you talk about, because I don't want, I don't want people to think that that's just a trite thing of like, oh yeah, everyone's going to tell me just trust God or just get, your identity in God or whatever. But what did that actually mean for you, like boots on the ground practically every day to really trust God with your future and with your hopes and dreams?
5: Yeah, so I think I had to really break down every single thing that I was struggling with and I just kind of wrote it down. So very specific things in singleness, like I felt really lonely a lot of times because all my friends were hanging out with their significant other and on a Friday, Saturday night, I didn't have any plans um, or dealing with baggage from past relationships and then trying to date and just feeling terrible because you're like, man, something horrible is going to happen again because it did in the past. So, in my book, what I did is I went through the Bible, and I found different bachelors and bachelorettes that were struggling with those same things that I was struggling with in very different ways sometimes, very similar ways sometimes. So, for example, with loneliness, I had to see it, you know, through my identity of God loves me, He has me here for a reason, but... Even though I know that, I still feel lonely. So what should I be doing about that? So I looked into the story of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is just one of the most lonely people where he was supposed to preach and tell people that what they were doing was wrong and they needed to repent. So as a result, the people around him tried to kill him and threw him in prison and had him in a cistern where they just wanted him to sink into the mud and die. So he went through so many lonely things, and I was like... If I'm feeling lonely from singleness, I can't even complain to the loneliness that Jeremiah was probably feeling in all these situations. So I looked at what he did, because he was able to say that the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, and he was able to persevere in that calling of what he was supposed to do. So I looked into that, and I was like, man, if he can do that, why can't I? And what Jeremiah did is he was really raw to God with his feelings, and he says things, you know, like, why did you even have me be born so that I had to do this because it's so hard? And he was just very real and honest with God so that he was able to see that God was there with him and doing things with him. So I think, yeah, like you said, it's, it's easy to try to put an umbrella on, oh, my identity is in God and I should trust Him. But I think for me, I had to really dig into all the specific pain points that I had in singleness and say, okay, who's gone through something like that in the Bible? Or maybe where's an instance of this in the Bible that I can see this and see how someone else went through it and what they did to apply the Scripture to it? So that was really, really insightful to me to see, oh, other people have gone through this. Sometimes it's been way worse. But in all of those experiences in the Bible, God has pulled through, and He's been good, and He normally has way bigger plans than we have had. And in the past, He's done that for me, so He can still continue to do that for me now and in the future.
0: Right. Talk a little bit about, I know in the book you emphasize the importance of community, whether you're married or you're single, but clearly the book is about those who are single. And I think so many young adults think of marriage as kind of this panacea of like, this is going to solve all my problems. I don't need to build community now because when I get married, I'll have that built in because my husband or my wife will be everything to me. Talk about the importance, even now looking back from a married uh, you know, status, The importance of community and why we really have to pursue it intentionally, um, especially as single adults.
5: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Now that I'm married, community is just as important as it was for me when I was single. And if I wouldn't have started doing all of the community stuff when I was single, I wouldn't have that now. And I'm so thankful I have my community out, you know, outside of just having my marriage, too. So it's really, really good. But for me, what I saw is I went through a broken-off engagement, and a lot of times I just felt kind of awkward and bad. And, you know, thought that people just thought of me as like the person who had a broken-off engagement, so I felt really embarrassed and awkward about it. So most people I'd meet, especially after college, after all this happened, I wouldn't bring up anything about it whatsoever. So I had coworkers and I had friends who had no idea that any of this stuff happened to me. But then I started doing a small group at my church, a small group Bible study, and one of the first things we did was just kind of tell our stories of how we got to where we are in our faith and in our whole journey and things like that. And one of the things that people would do is they kind of share parts of their story and then the next person would go and they'd go a little deeper and deeper and deeper and then people would kind of start over again and go even deeper. So that was the first time that I was just with a group of strangers I'd never met before. And I talked about how I had that broken off engagement and everything that happened with that um, and all the bad things. And I just had this community that responded with so much love and so much grace and so much caring that it just blew my mind that it could go like that, that you could be that open and trusting with people and just have that, you know, mutual caring of each other. So I was able to experience that, thankfully, about a year after I broke off my engagement. And it was amazing because Me as a single person, I was living by myself, so I didn't have a lot of people that I would see every day outside of work, and all of a sudden I had this community who they were texting me about, hey, how did that presentation go, and, you know, we're praying for you because you have this big report coming up and things like that at work. And all of a sudden I had this group of people that were like a family to me and who were supporting me, you know, emotionally and everything that I was working toward and things like that. So I think having that established and looking for that, especially in church, Is just such a great way to combat a lot of things that come with singleness because, like I said before, it's so easy to feel alone and it's very easy to think, like, no one cares what I'm going through or what's going on in my life. But when you find that good community group, they care about those things. And instead of kind of feeling desperate, like, I need a significant other to, you know, make me feel fulfilled in these ways all of a sudden you have this community group that's doing that already for you. So instead of desperately looking for someone, if you're choosing to date, you're now going from a very stable foundation of, I have the support I need. I know who I am. I have these people. I'm good. I can talk to them about dating if that's what I'm choosing to do, but I'm not just trying to find someone to fill that gap. These people are helping me with that. So I found that to be an incredible support in singleness and beyond that.
0: Yeah. And I love how you make the point that it's not like you got married and just ditch all these people. Like they're just for (laughs) your only, you know, they're only for your single season or whatever. I mean, I think it is so great. And I often say that married people could learn a lot from singles in the sense of what it means to do friendship well and to go after that. Because I have a, in fact, I have an older lady um, that I know, a friend, kind of a friend of a friend who lost her husband recently to a battle with cancer. And they had not Mm -hmm. invested in friendships outside of one another and she's really been struggling and is having to now realize like I'm going to have to build community from scratch. My husband and I didn't do that. We relied too heavily on each other. And so it's a real thing. And so I I think that, again, you can't, even in the healthiest of marriages, you will never have a spouse who is going to meet your every need and be able to be every person to you. So so great insights there. Um, Okay, I do want to ask you, because you have, okay, and we're talking about the book is A Single Life to Live, Stop Waiting Mm -hmm. for Your Life to Begin and Thrive Where... God Has You Today. I want to talk a little bit about the Thrive Where God Has You Today, because you talk in the book about the ability for singles especially to utilize a time where we're trusting God, we're waiting on God, we're praying, we're walking out our life as we have it, and it's a great opportunity to pursue maybe a dream that God has put in your heart. And I know for you, uh, one of those things, or maybe one of the things you talk about in in the book, is the book itself and this opportunity to start writing this book, which I think is hilarious because what we haven't said yet is you're an electrical engineer. There aren't yeah. many electrical engineers who are just like you know what I want to do is write a book on singleness and become an author. You know, you always think of the yeah. the wordy kind of uh, you know you've got male types and all that. So yeah. um, talk a little bit about that about how God put that dream in your heart and how you decided to go after it um, as you had the opportunity to do so.
5: Yeah, definitely. So I feel like I always liked writing a little bit, like I would do it here and there and as a stress reliever especially. But as I went through this whole period of breaking off an engagement and being single, I just started to have this idea of writing a book about singleness. And at the beginning, I did not know enough to write a book. So it was just kind of an idea, and I had it in the back of my head. And then as time went by, I started having different experiences and meeting people who were going through similar things that I had gone through and just thinking like, oh, okay, I figured some of these things out, so maybe that could be helpful. Um, So this kind of whisper of writing a book was in there for a while. But then I went to a John Foreman concert, and he played this, documentary called 25 and 24 where he played 25 concerts in 24 hours and people were like you're crazy why are you doing this you know what are you thinking and he's just like i have this dream and i'm gonna see what happens with it i'm gonna pursue it and as he did this just so many good things came out of him doing these concerts even though it seemed like a crazy dream so he did this and you know a community was built and all sorts of beautiful things happened and at the end of playing this 25 and 24 at his concert they handed out these pieces of paper that said 25 and 24 my dream is to and when i got that piece of paper i'm like i know what this dream is that i need to pursue and what's on my heart and that's writing this book so at that concert i decided you know what i have no idea where this is going to go i don't know how god's going to use this or anything like that or if it'll even turn into a book but i might as well try to pursue it and see what god can do with it and see where it can go so that's how I started going into it. And another really cool inspiration for me was the book of Nehemiah, where he's a cupbearer to a king, and he decides to rebuild Jerusalem, and he goes after that. And God has, you know, all these people come back and start reading the scriptures and praising him because he decided to follow this dream as well. So it's like, that is so cool that God can, you know, give us these dreams, and we can have these inclinations. And maybe they won't go exactly where we expect them to, but he can really use them for good and for me i was like even just writing this book for myself will be will be very positive for me so as i've seen that happening I realized that in singleness, one of the things that was really, really helpful for me was realizing, you know, what would my life need to look like so that it wouldn't matter if I'm single or if I'm married, and what can I start doing to pursue that life that I, you know I'm longing for. So for me, it was this idea of writing, which I you know never taken seriously before, but I realized when I'm you know late at night working on this book, or even an entire Saturday just at a coffee shop working on this, then. That is where I feel so excited and time goes by so quickly, and I'm really using the talents that God gave me, even though I've ignored them for so long. So as I started doing that more and more and just saying, you know, some of these things are crazy. I didn't go to school for this or that or whatever, but I have this on my heart that I want to help these people or do this type of thing. The more that I did that in singleness, the more excited I was with my life and, you know, kind of creating that life that I always wanted, even though it didn't include marriage. I realized that I don't need marriage to start living that life that God may have given me the talents for. So that was really helpful for me.
0: Yeah, that is great. And it is good to look back on that and realize how you know, God God shows up, and He's not linear like we are. You know, He's got this big picture yeah. vantage point that allows us to live out dreams while He already had the other dream of marriage planned for you. And just recognizing, like, okay, well, we're going to let her. You know, she's going to write a good portion of this book, and then this guy's going to show up for the second time at a wedding, <laughs> and they're yeah. going to, you know, he's going to ask her to dance. So, well, such a neat story, Hannah. We'll have to uh, hear more of your story in the future as you've walked out a marriage a little bit. Maybe that'll be, uh, we'll cu- have you back for a married life to live when that book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> See how, yeah, that, that how that plays out. <laughs> well, in the meantime, everyone, we want to make you aware of the fact that A Single Life to Live, the book uh, we've been talking with Hannah here, is available from Boundless uh, this week for a gift of any amount to our ministry. So you just go to boundless.org. You can search for 812-812, this week's episode. You just click on the book cover there. You give a gift to boundless and we will send a copy of hannah's book as our thank you to you so go ahead and make that happen this is a great opportunity for you to especially with your other single friends walk this out together and be encouraged so hannah again thanks for joining us today
5: thanks for having me
4: you are here.
0: Well, we are finishing out the show by opening up our inbox, and as you know, if you've been listening for a while, we bring in experts to answer your questions, okay? Sometimes I answer them, um, but that's only because it's something that I feel I know about. So I'm an expert in about two and a half things in this world, and that's it. Otherwise, I need to bring in, like, real experts. And so today is no exception. I have got one of our fabulous professional counselors, licensed professional counselors here at Focus on the Family, Linda Miller. Linda, it's so great to have you? Good to be here. Thanks. Okay, this is the question um, that we got in that you are going to have to take a stab at for us. Our listener is asking, whenever my friends share an issue with me, my natural inclination is to step in and fix it. But that's not always what they want. How do I retrain my brain to be okay with only listening instead of being so quick to take action?
6: It's a good question. But first, we're going to start with the question. Let's begin by retraining your brain that you are only listening, as if that's not enough. It sounds like your friends are looking for emotional support and you're wanting to provide practical advice. In other words, you're trying to meet your needs instead of meeting theirs. You know, frustrations will often tend to rise because the other person does not feel listened to, and you're frustrated because the other person doesn't take your advice. So start by just slowing down. Supporting one another is critical to developing healthy relationships. And it is incumbent upon you to support the other person the way they want to be supported. So realistically, you can actually do more to harm the other person when you jump in and go into fix-it mode. I mean, they just really want to be heard. So when you try to fix a problem they don't want fixed... The messages you send is that their feelings don't matter, or you might see their mood shift because they feel discounted or invalidated. So where are you going to start? Like start by looking inward. Why do you feel you need to fix their problems? Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Am I fearful to simply sit in the moment with my friend? Learn to kind of manage your feelings in response to what is happening. Take some deep breaths, calm yourself down, focus on giving your friend what they need, which may mean being so blunt as to ask them, what are they looking for from you? If someone just wants a listening ear, unsolicited advice can actually worsen the situation. So be curious, practice those active listening skills. Be mindful and be in the moment with them. Study the other person and listen to what they are really saying. Validate their feelings, which means you have to listen for them. Paraphrase things back to them in your own words. Ask those clarifying questions and never, ever make assumptions, no matter how well you know them. Practice compassion and empathy, which means putting yourself in their shoes. Be a safe person to talk to. Remember, being vulnerable is risky, and they're taking a risk on you. So again, start with you. Look inward first, and don't be anxious about looking at the feelings behind the problem. Take a deep breath, and remember, it's not your job to fix their problem or even alleviate their suffering. It's simply to be there with them in the moment. Yeah, that's good.
0: It so reminds me of, I can't remember who it was that said once gave the suggestion of being in that situation and saying it might be helpful to ask whether on the front end or after they've shared. So just so I'm clear, is this a listening kind of situation or are you actually looking for advice and giving kind of putting the power in their hands to say, Oh no! I want your top three like solutions for me. Or I've racked my brain about this. I can't figure it out. Or exactly what you said, Linda. The person who's just like, no, I think I actually just need someone to enter into this with me and be sit in this space with me and hear me out and let me kind of share. So great, um, great points in delineating that and showing up as the person who is not trying to add so much value or bring so much to the table. I think that's a, a great help. So thank you so much for you weighing bet. in on that. You bet. Okay, folks, uh, that is it for this week's show. I want to remind you that we are less than a week away from our actual real true for real 25th anniversary of boundless and this is super exciting for us september 1st is the day we are going to be celebrating all of september and so you're going to have to watch uh, our site at boundless.org for all the special things that will be going on in addition to a special 25th anniversary show that is coming up during the course of september as well so you be ready for that and in the meantime i will see you around next week i'm lisa anderson for the boundless show
2: The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. Boundless.
6: God wants true disciples. Ones that think like him, talk like him, walk like him. Disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.